0: Well, are you expectant this morning yeah. let's pray let's believe God we, we didn't just come because we got nothing to do we didn't just want to come and hear another big church preacher you want God to speak you want to hear his voice you want something that you can retain and apply otherwise it's just another whim of emotion amen father we pray today in the name of Jesus we recognize that you are here and that's the most important thing thank you for your presence But thank you, Lord, for your promises. Thank you for your word, which is so powerful, foundational. It's an anchor. keeps us sane in a world gone crazy. Speak into our lives this morning and impart to us wisdom, insight, and understanding so that we can apply it and live our lives fruitfully and successfully and we can make a difference in our world, a world that's hell-bent on destruction and madness. Pray that you'd speak to every life. Free us from distractions, tiredness, negativity, And help us to embrace the word with meekness this morning. Pray at the close of the service, would you do a work of healing? We're expectant that there's much more than a message, but a work of the Spirit, that people would open their lives to you. Surrender to Jesus. Receive Him, because without Him, we're nothing. Do a work of healing, a work of inspiration. Bless every person, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. You can get out your phone and make notes or take pictures. I don't mind if you take pictures of the screen. Everything will come up on the screen, and I love the flashes. It makes me feel famous. Great to be with you this morning. I want to introduce my family to you because, um, you know, uh, behind every successful man is a woman pushing him. <laughs> and so this is my family. It's my lovely wife and uh, my daughter at the back. She usually travels with me but hasn't been well I've got Alex traveling with me he's been a tremendous asset I, I think he's up in the in the room up there in the crow's nest and he's done a fantastic job of the visuals and uh, last night Boss Adam said to me would you would you speak in that service I said sure so we came back to the room at about 11 and he went to bed at two so those in the first service saw those visuals it was him he done it so that's my daughter she normally travels with me and uh she'll be meeting me in america it's my son with a hat on him and his wife next to him run a campus down at the coast been there for a year and that's my oldest son oldest grandson on the right there he's 17 and um the context of our church so that you don't just think we we're a whiz bang church but we planted this church uh, sorry took it over uh 70 people maximum on a good day but about 45 tired weary disgruntled disinterested people with their arms folded saying i dare you to bless me um that was where we started in that little building we crammed eventually uh, 300 into the front of it you can see the back of it with a little i call them toilet glass windows and um eventually 600 in that building in five uh, five services um uh, uh, most we could fit on one service 600 and then we went into a new auditorium and now we've built our big auditorium And uh, that seats 3,000, we have three services in there and we have a campus down in Durban and the one that my son runs in Belito. So God is a God who starts small, if you're faithful to him with everything, there's always fruit and rewards and we're so grateful for his grace and for the privilege of coming here and speaking to this church. Thank you for having me, for your hospitality and your kindness, had some wonderful meals, thank you for the lovely hotel and for the B&B and everything you've done and driving us around, we feel absolutely honored. You know, when you feel honored, it brings the best out of you. So I want to speak to you this morning, and I felt this message would be appropriate. With all the teaching I've done over the week, I kept this for today because I felt it could help you. And um, I did a series in my church uh, at the end of last year, and this became like a keynote message that I carry in my heart. And the series was called Handling Life's Hurts. How many of you know that in order to get hurt, all you need to do is wake up? And people come to me and they say this to me, I came to your church and I got hurt. This is what I tell new people. If you visited our church and we haven't hurt you yet, just give us time. Because life is full of hurt. But this is the important thing I want to say. Hurt people hurt people. And God's called us to heal the world. You can't heal the world if you're broken and hurting. If you've been hurt, just think about this. If you've been hurt recently, I guarantee you it's by a hurt person. Why does someone punch you? It's because they're hurting. Why do criminals commit crime? It's because they've got an unhappy family and they've been hurt at home. Either abused, something's happened. Now they go out and they hurt the whole world. Hurt people hurt people. And God doesn't want us to be hurting people. He wants us to be healed people so we can heal the world. Pastor Adam's given you the title, but I won't give it to you yet. I'll just wait a moment because I want to build a case here. A man called Jonathan Edwards, which many of you would have heard of, an amazing man of God, he was probably one of the greatest theologians, preachers, and writers America has ever known. His works are still being used today. He was literally a spiritual giant and a genius in what he did. He preached in a church in Massachusetts for some 22 years, and the people sat at his feet And he poured out pearls of wisdom and inspiration, and they lived through what's called the Great Awakening or the Great American Revival. His books are so profound and his sermons so profound, they're still read and used by pastors today. How many of you have heard of Jonathan Edwards? Well, he preached week in and week out to these wonderful people and uh, these profound life-changing messages for 22 years. And at the end of 22 years, they had a system, thank God we don't have that here, where they voted to keep the pastor or get rid of him. Well, the people voted for this mighty, genius man of God, and they voted him out of his church. His life was never the same. He ended up uh, losing his health and so on, and I can't tell you all that, but... A sad thing that these people voted him out of the church. Why did they vote him out of the church? They didn't vote him out of the church because he committed adultery. He took money. He became an abusive leader. He became arrogant. None of that. He didn't neglect his duties. They voted him out of his church because he insisted that to partake of the Lord's table and have communion, one should have received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and become a member of the church. Which is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. But because of that... They voted him out of his church. You know what I've discovered? You can be most hurt by the people you least expect it from. The family of God. That's why it's so hard when you get hurt in church, because you don't expect it. In your own family, you can be hurt. People turn on you. The Apostle Paul, in ministering to the Corinthian church, he pours his life into them. And in the end, he has to write to them and say to them, open wide your heart to us. Why? Because people who you love can often hurt you. Now, in the Bible, there's a story that you all know. And we're going to read quite a bit of Scripture this morning, more than some of you have read all month. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord by prophecy. (laughs) I know how busy we are, and we tend to read snippets. But the Bible says, give attention to the public reading of the Word. And so we must read Scripture. But it's a story of someone you know well, who was hurt by his own family. And he became great in the end. The story of Joseph. Now don't switch off because it's familiar, going to bring some things out, we're going to mine this text this morning. So look on the screen with me, and we'll see how he got hurt in his family, by the people he least expected it from. You'll know his, his father loved him, so let's pick up here in verse 3 of chapter 37 of Genesis. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. He grew up with hurt from a very early age. But then it says Joseph had a dream and he, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Can I give you some advice? Be careful who you share your dreams with. Because not everyone's on your side and not everybody understands. It goes to say here, Then verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. You New Zealanders know what that means. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So Joseph went after his brothers and found him near Dothan. But when when they saw him in the distance, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Now, let's just pause here because some of you think you've got a terrible family life. I want to tell you, you've got it good. When you wake up one day and they're talking in the kitchen, here he comes. And you pick up arsenic, knife, gun, baseball bat. That's what they were doing. They were talking about getting rid of him. Sometimes we don't understand the depth of the pain this man experienced. Are you with me? Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come, let's kill him and throw him in one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. So not only do they want to hurt him physically, they want to lie about him. It goes into say, "And we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him in the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this, to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brother's, they stripped him, notice this, they stripped him of his robe, you know what hurt does to you, it strips you of your dignity, the ornate robe he was wearing, the one that the father, picture of God put on him, and they took him, watch this, and they threw him into a cistern, and the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it, you know what hurts do to you, they put you in a deep dry place, and everyone looks at you on the outside, and you look fine, but you're in a deep dry place, and you're carrying hurts as they sat down to eat their meal they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead their camels were loaded with spices balm and myrrh and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt they're going to get rid of him now watch so when the Midianite merchants came by the brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern watch this and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites how would you like to be sold by your family like a bit of like like a piece of goods like, 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 like merchandise but watch it gets worse. It says they took him to Egypt but watch this. meanwhile the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar. he's resold, wholesale and then retail. So he's hated, he's abused, he's trying to hurt they plot to kill him, they speak against him and they end up selling him and then they, he's not good enough they sell him again. Are you are you getting the depth here? You he didn't get to Egypt here I'm fine. I reckon there were some serious issues some serious issues in his life and they sold him off to Pharaoh's officials so far away from home abandoned hurt sold off now watch in Psalm 105 we just want to read a few verses here Psalm 105 it's it speaks here prophetic of what happened to him and it says in the 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 uh, translation here Joseph's feet hurt in his shackles his neck was in an iron collar until what he predicted actually happened, until what the Lord had said proved him true. But the actual Hebrew here, when you study it very closely, Young's literal translation brings it out a bit better. Look what it says. It says, the iron entered his soul. Do you know that physical hurt is easier to handle than emotional hurt? And the Bible implies that what happened to him was not a physical prison and physical hurt, but it entered deep into his soul and he carried something. Now we know he goes to Egypt. You all know the story. He serves in Potiphar's house. He's again hurt by Potiphar's wife. She lies about him, says that he tried to sleep with her when all he did was be faithful to God. That's hurtful. Ends up in a prison. Doesn't deserve to be there. But notice, even in his hurt, he trusts God and he gives his best. He then is elevated by God's grace into into Pharaoh's house. And after 13 years of being in the palace, this amazing transformation, he's elevated. He's got children. It's phenomenal. He's living with wealth. But watch, one more passage of scripture. Are you all still good? It says in Genesis 45, his brothers come and meet him. And it says this, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. This is not eek. This is, ah, Have everyone, leave my presence. He's freaking out. Watch. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. Watch this. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Man, do do you know what this shows us? This shows us the title of this message, that he got past what he never got over. He got past what he never got over. And I used to say when I was a young Christian, when I was a young preacher, a younger preacher, I used to say to people, just get over it, man. Get up, get over it, get going. Because that's what I've had to do in my own life. But I've understood there's some things that you never should get over, but you have to get past. If you get over them, it will harm society. Are you with me? And Joseph knew how to get past what he would never get over. And I want to help you to do that today. In a moment, I'm going to give you six things that he did. But I, I want to explain this principle of getting past what you can't get over. And I want to help you understand this because we can often tritely say to someone who's lost a loved one, someone who's been been uh, been been abused or, or, or attacked physically, someone who's been in a serious car accident, someone who's been massively emotionally impacted, bullied in life, um, spoken against, all that kind of thing. You've got to understand how this actually works. Let me give an example of, of uh, 9/11. Those twin towers coming down. How many of you know we must not get over that, but we've got to get past it? Do you know that the police in New York they do something very interesting? They every day go on patrol, and the patrolmen when they get in their cars they drive past the monument and they get out of the vehicle, and they stand there, and they take a moment, just a moment to pause, then they salute, they take their salute down, they get in the car, and they go out, and they serve the people of New York City, they have never gotten over it, but they've got past it, see they don't say we're not serving anyone, you could die, I'm resigning from the police force, no, they have got past what they should never get over, does that make sense? And it's a very important principle if you think of the World War II and what happened at the Holocaust. We should never get over that. That should never happen again. 75 years on, we've got to get past it and Jews have got past it pretty amazingly, but they should never get over it. A man called Primo Levi, he wrote a wonderful book called Survival in Auschwitz. He says this, my number is 174517. We have been baptized. We will carry the tattoo on our left arm until we die but he's not a victim. He's got past what he'll never get over. Can I tell you, the world is hell-bent on making us victims, getting us trapped into self-pity and into self-introspection. God wants you to get past what you'll never get over. In South Africa, we've had apartheid, a system of oppression, where people were, were treated as less than human and, and, and prejudiced against and, and shut off from privileges in society. We should never forget that, and we can't tell people who've been under a pot, "Oh, get over it." No, we need to help them get past what they'll never get over. You can't go to this beach. You can't eat here. You can't. That's not something you must take lightly. And we need to help people get past what they will never get over. If you've been divorced, you've been through a terrible divorce. Oh, just forget about it. She's a female dog. No, 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 no. We need to help people get past. What they'll never get, they were joined together. Maybe they've had children. There's been a shared life and dreams. Now you've got to get past. Don't try and shut it out. No, you never existed. I never married you. I'm, I'm writing you off. No, that's unhealthy. You've got to get past. If you've been raped, people don't know what it means to be raped. It's a violation. You have to get past. What will always be something you'll never get over. Are you with me? We help people when we do this. And in relationships, you can be hurt. Before I get it, the death of a loved one. I lost a grandchild at three. We'll never get over it. He would have been 19 today. Three years old. He slipped into a pool. I did his funeral. One of the hardest things I've done. I'll never get over it, but I don't cry now because I've got past. But we remember Shannon every year on his birthday. Are you with me? Is this making sense? Uh, This is simple, but it's very, very important. And uh, Rose Kennedy, the, the mother of the Kennedy boys, both of them were assassinated. How many of you know, that's, that's world famous hurt. And uh, she said this, she said, uh, it has been said that time heals all wounds. I don't agree. Watch this, the wounds remain. Time, the mind protecting its sanity, covers them with some scar tissue and the pain lessens, but it is never gone. That's okay. You get past what you'll never get over. If you've been cut on your arm with a machete or something, you'll always carry the scar, but it won't hurt. Does that make sense? And one of the most dangerous places or hurtful places is in the area of relationships. How many of you seen the movie Jaws? Give away your A.A. They're on the boat actually out on the sea, Captain Quint. Uh, and uh, officer Brody and researcher Hooper and you know they're trying to find the great white and they've got a bit of time on their hands and they're sitting talking and sharing stories and so uh, uh, Quint and Brody begin comparing wounds they pull up their shirts and the one says yeah this is this is where I was bitten by a shark and it's like wow check the teeth marks and the other one pulls up his shirt and he says I, I was stung by a manta ray here and uh and uh, the other one here it's uh, if Hooper he's like quiet because he, he he hasn't been bitten by a shark or a manta ray so eventually he opens his shirt and he says you see this tattoo here this is Mary Ellen Moffat she broke my heart (laughs) how many you know physical wounds are easier to deal with and I want to ask you who's tattooed your spirit this morning and left an impression God wants you to get past what probably you will never get over Joseph did six things in his life that I think we can do to move past that which we can't get over and so this morning it's a practical message do you think you will be helped The first thing you need to do, if you want to get past what you'll never get over, is don't let the presence of pain squeeze out the presence of God. Because the enemy will try and squeeze out the presence of God. The Bible repeatedly says of Joseph, and the Lord was with him. Four times in Scripture, the presence of God is noted, and he makes sure to keep himself during the times of the dark nights of his soul. He makes sure that he keeps himself walking with God. He probably worshipped. And kept himself in a place with the presence of God. One of the things you have to do when you hurt is to learn to worship. Don't come to church and be a spectator. Don't tell yourself, oh, this is very emotional. Of course, it's emotional, it has to be emotional. It's part of love. We can't be intellectual. I've come for the message. Wish they'd get done. Oh, another song. Oh, if I sit down, everyone will look. No, engage. Because you bring the presence of God. You're having problems at home? Worship in the meeting. Bring the presence of God. Don't let the presence of pain push out the presence of God. Paul and Silas find themselves in a prison. These mighty men of God in a prison. What do they do? They don't chat and put the iPod in the ears. They begin to sing praises. They begin to bring the presence of God into the prison. As they begin to bring the presence of God into their hurt, they were beaten with rods, their feet in stocks. As they sing, the presence of God comes and they get set free and all the prisoners get free. Don't just sing in church, sing at home, sing in the car. You've got to make sure the presence of God comes and it mustn't squeeze out the presence of pain. Am I making sense? Number two, the second thing Joseph realized, and you need to realize this, is the end of something is not the end of everything. The end of something is not the end of everything. And Joseph's season at home was finished. He didn't experience the love of his father, but the end of something wonderful was not the end of everything in his life. Remember Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, not I am finished. This thing that I had to accomplish, but I'm not finished. And we have to realize that sometimes when everything goes wrong in our lives and we've been deeply hurt, that God is still busy and he's still got a plan. It might be the end of an era or a season, but it's not the end of my life. And I need to trust God for what he wants to do. Got to keep our hope alive in the Lord. Some of you may have seen a movie called Unbroken. It's the story of Louis Zamparelli. He was a World War II pilot who went out on a reconnaissance mission over the Pacific, and he ran out of fuel, I think, or the plane got into trouble, and he crashed into the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Him and another man were in a raft floating on the sea for 47 days. No food, no water, they were dried out, they were burnt to a crisp, and yet they kept hope alive. The end of something was not the end of everything. And I mean, you know, when you're in a raft, you better have that spirit you've been hurt, the plane has crashed, you're disappointed, you feel abandoned, some of you feel that emotionally today, and they hoped, and hoped, and hoped, eventually they ended up being washed up on an island, and they jumped out, and they were like, yeah, And it was a Japanese invaded island, they ended up in a prisoner war camp, and he was tortured, and beaten, and mistreated, and it was shocking, and he was there till the end of the war, just simply from a plane crash, he wasn't even on a a mission of attacking anybody, and um, he survived shocks, he survived abuse, his body was badly beaten, and he was bitten, and he was kept in a bamboo cage. And then finally, at the end of the war, he was released. He went home, and he went to a Billy Graham crusade, and he found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Wait, it's quite marvelous. You see, the end of something's not the end of everything. He ended up becoming an evangelist to the Japanese. Wait, he lived to the age of 97. Because the end of something is not the end of everything. And some of us, when we get hurt, something goes wrong, a disaster happens, we give up. But it is finished, not I am finished. And we need to keep hope alive when this happens. Martin Luther King Jr., he said this. He said, We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Joseph did that. He recognized that he'd been given a dream. Home had ended. Part of his house had ended. It looked like his major break. Prison had ended, and God had fulfilled the dream. The end of something is not the end of everything. Number three. This is important. Joseph understood this. When we are down to nothing, God is up to something. When we're down to nothing, God is up to something. Every person that has been hurt, when you feel like you're at that point where what's the point of life God is busy building a testimony of his grace who are the most powerful people it's people not who've had a lack of grown up with a silver spoon it's like I showed you today people who have started small and and God's done something we listen to them because God can do that for me isn't that true That's why I showed you today. And when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. He's going to rebuild your life. And one day you're going to stand up and say, This happened, that happened, that happened, that happened, that happened. You shared a youth meeting, you're going to talk in a connect group. Somewhere you're going to share, and someone's going to go, There's hope for me. It's not over. Hmm? It is finished, but I'm not finished. And this is what Joseph said to his brothers. Remember this in Genesis? chapter 50 I think it is, he says this, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, you see when he was down to nothing, God was up to something, and not everything you see on the surface is real and the truth, God is up to something physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, materially, God uses everything, listen to me this morning, not everything is God sent, but everything is always God used, you've got to remember that, can you say amen, Dr. Steve Maraboli is an author, a behavioral scientist. They say he's the most quoted man in the world. Isn't that interesting? He said this. He said, every time I thought I was being rejected from something good, I was being redirected to something better. That's his personal experience. And I think that I found that to be true when God's dealing in my life. Number four. The fourth thing that we need to do, and Joseph did this, is don't throw away your tomorrows. Don't throw away your tomorrows. Firstly, Joseph was given two dreams. The dream was twice confirmed. And it's God saying, I'm definitely going to do this. And your dreams will carry you past your hurts if you hold on to them. Some of you, you've had a distant memory and a dream of a good marriage. And then you've gone through a divorce. You need to hold on to the dream because that's a God-given dream. It's not a fantasy. And that'll carry you through. Don't throw away your tomorrows. God is in our tomorrow calling us towards himself. But when you're hurt, it's very hard to see that. And we need to hold on to our dreams. You know, no matter what happens to you, and I've discovered this. When you get hurt by someone, it's, it's probably a bit easier to handle because they did it to you. But when you hurt yourself by being stupid, I go to bed and I'm like, you're an idiot. You're a total idiot. How dumb can you be and still breathe? And it's very hard to get past something that... If you cause hurt through yourself, you buy the wrong car, house, you say something, those are very hard things to get past. Last year I I, I made a comment, there was a political upheaval in our country and they were asking for white people to get out the country, go back to France and Holland. And so I made a comment about my family, you know, we've taken nothing, we're building, we work hard, we're contributors. In other words, don't chase us away. The news took it and they played it on TV and saying, he said that whites took nothing. And whites work harder than blacks, so blacks are lazy. So all the headlines in the newspaper, Pastor Andre. And you go to bed and you think, how did I end up? And you hurt by what they're doing, but I said it. It's very hard to get past that. You know what I did? I kept my eye on tomorrow. I held on to my tomorrows, and I held on to the dreams that God had given us for our church. And despite hurt, I will never get over that, because if you Google me, there it comes. Criticism is instant, permanent, and global, yeah. and and unfair. <laughs> it's not a swear word here, is it? Okay, just checking. But, you, you know, it's, it's harder when you make mistakes, but I want to tell you something. God is gracious even in your mistakes. Just let me tell you for a moment, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, remember they failed. Eve took the apple, Adam wasn't watching over his wife, and take responsibility as he should have to steward his wife and to care for her and to minister to her, and, uh, and uh, th- the Lord comes, and he says, you're going you're to get put out of the garden, and so that wonderful era ends, but wait, the end of something's not the end of, and the Lord said, in that day you shall eat of it, you will surely die, but when you read the scriptures, they lived 930 years, and they had several children, so don't take things too much to heart, keep living, maybe with a bit of damage, keep living in the grace of God, am I making sense? Hold on to your tomorrows. You say, well, I messed up and this happened and I was an idiot and they did that. No, as long as there's life, there's hope. Solomon says, better a live dog than a dead lion. Don't throw away your tomorrows. Hold on to your dreams. Expect God to do something in your life. Number five, the fifth thing. I hope you're receiving something this morning. We must be committed to a purpose higher than our pain. Joseph had a purpose higher than his pain. Your pain will always be worse if you don't have a purpose in your life. What's your purpose? And don't tell me it's your job. It has to be beyond that. It has to be beyond that. It could include your job, but a purpose is something that takes your eyes off your present situation. Joseph had a purpose. He ended up serving Potiphar. He served in prison. He became an organizer. Then when he was in the palace, he served the kingdom and made sure people were fed. The best way to overcome hurt is to plunge yourself into serving others. If you're not a volunteer in this church, you have to be. Not just because the Bible teaches it, every member should be functioning, but because it's the way you'll get healed. Because as you give, you receive. As you give money, you receive money. As you give love, you receive love. And hurt people hurt people, but healed people help people, and they themselves get healed. <laughs> William P. Merrill said this. He said, unless you give yourself to some great cause, you haven't even begun to live. I've discovered that volunteering and serving and being productive takes your eyes off your pain and your hurt. You've got a low self-esteem because you've been beaten or bullied or you haven't grown up with a lot of love and attention. So you come to church and you want to hide in the back corner. You come in lost. And I'm not looking at the back seats. And you sit in the back seat and you, just leave me alone. I've just come here to receive. And you know, no, you need to come out and, and make yourself vulnerable and begin to serve. And you will be amazed at the recovery that will come into your life. I quoted this at the conference, but it's worth quoting again. Dr. Carl Menninger, the psychiatrist from America. He said this uh, when people asked him about depression. He said, if, you, if you're feeling depressed and, and, and you're having a nervous breakdown, leave your house, find someone in need and do something to help that person. And he says, if you do that, you'll snap out of a nervous breakdown and you'll overcome depression. So you've got to have a, a cause or a vision, a purpose higher than your pain. And Joseph had that. You know, it's wonderful. Look at this verse here. Joseph had children and it says in Genesis 41 here, in verse 51, it says, uh, Joseph um, named his firstborn Manasseh. Look what he says. It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. We just pause here for a moment. I don't think he, if you came to him and he said, uh, do you remember your father? Who? I don't think it's that kind of forgetting. It's the kind of forgetting that doesn't, don't talk about him don't talk about my father, don't talk about my, no, he got past, what he'd never get over, he probably remembered his dad, but he said, God gave me something, why, because I looked to my tomorrows, I trusted his presence, and I had a purpose higher than my pain, and I held on to to my tomorrows, and it goes on to say here, uh, the second son he named Ephraim, he said, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. You know, some of you need to understand that you will find some healing when you serve others. But don't expect too much. People will let you down. They might not say thank you. Oswald Chambers said this, and I want to remind you of this. He says, if I'm devoted to the cause of humanity only, I will soon be exhausted and come to the place where my love will falter. But if I have Jesus Christ personally and passionately, I can serve humanity Though men treat me like a doormat. Don't expect it to be the complete source of healing. But put Jesus first and then serve a cause higher than yourself. Have you been helped this morning? Number six. Now this is extremely important and Joseph did this and is going to help a lot of you today. When we can't go further with people, let's go deeper with God. Joseph's brothers were not around for him to confront, to take to counseling sessions or to talk to. For 13 years, he had to go deeper with God when he couldn't go further with people. Often people say, phone up your father, phone up your mother, go and see that person who raped you in prison and talk to them. And, and it, sometimes you can't. Sometimes your parents have abused you and they did. But you're carrying the hurt. And they are in the grave. They're gone. There's skeletons there now. But you're carrying this thing. You've got to go deeper with God when you can't go further with people. And some of us carry stuff with us, and God wants to take us on. And I couldn't speak to the people who tweeted against me last year. 8,000 tweets. I was on every news channel. I was the first slot when you turned the TV on. You have no idea what a nightmare that is. In the area of our church's strength, our church is non racial. We've built a multicultural church. My daughter was married for five years to a black man. We've got multiracial couples on our staff. My key staff are all uh, uh, different races. We were attacked in the air of our strength. How do you deal with that? I can't tweet to them, hey, you don't know me. No, no. I've been on radios, actors in our church, prop, popular uh, talk show hosts, and we've got prominent people. They went on the radio, they went on TV, and people were so vicious. I was shocked. For one or two weeks, you know what I thought about? I, I just came from, from this conference, and I was like, New Zealand, <laughs> Auckland a Rua, I hadn't heard of it yet, but I did think uh, Pastor Adam and Anita, perhaps a job, America, no, you, you, tr- you throw away your tomorrows, but you can't do that, you've got to hold on to your dreams, and when you can't deal with people and fix it up, and the newspapers won't listen, and they won't respect your point of view, or, or, or take what you're saying, you have to go deeper with God, and I've gone deeper with God, and He strengthened me, And this is what I discovered. The Lord heals and he does wonderful works. Look at here, Psalm 147. Uh, Before I read read it, uh, don't don't bring it up. That's what I want to say. Do you know that the Bible says something interesting here in Ecclesiastes? Let me read this to you. It says, woe to the land whose king was a servant, whose princes feast in the morning. You know what they're saying? They're saying when someone's a servant, they can never be king. You know why? Because of abuse. You can't become a leader because you'll abuse people. That's Africa's story, just by the way. But Joseph never abused anything. When he got into power and he had all of Egypt's resources, guess what he did? He fairly distributed without taking any for himself. Why? Because he got past what he didn't get over. And this is what I've discovered God can do. He did it for Joseph. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 34 and verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I want to show you a DVD of someone in a moment. And then I'll make a couple of comments after that. And then I'll pray with you. But many of you would have heard of the shooting in Paris at the Bataclan Theater. Gunmen stormed in and they opened fire and killed over 50 people. A man called Anton Leray, his wife Helene was shot and killed in that theater. She was mowed down. They've got a small child. And uh, when he got through that notification of his lovely wife, they newly married with a little newborn, he decided to write a letter to the BBC. And he wrote this letter to the BBC. 400,000 people have read it. I think it's gone beyond that now already. And the letter speaks about how he got past what he will never get over. I want you to watch this video and then I'll pick up and then we'll pray.
1: On Friday night, you stole away the life of an exceptional being, the love of my life, the mother of my son, but you will not have my hatred. want to know you are dead souls if the god for whom you kill so blindly made us in his image each bullet in my wife's body would have been a wound in his heart therefore i will not give you the gift of hating you you have obviously sought it but responding to it with anger would be to give in to the same ignorance that has made you what you are You want me to be afraid? To cast a mistrustful eye on my fellow citizens? To sacrifice my freedom for security? You lost. Same player, same game. I saw her this morning, finally after nights and days of waiting. She was just as beautiful as she was when she left on Friday evening. As beautiful as when I fell madly in love with her more than 12 years ago. Of course, I'm devastated with grief. I will give you that tiny victory, but this will be a short-term grief. I know that she will join us every day and that we will find each other again in the paradise of free souls, which you will never have access to. We are only two, my son and I, but we are more powerful than all the world's armies. In any case, I have no more time to waste on you. I need to get back to Melville who is waking up from his afternoon nap. He's just 17 months old. He'll eat his snack like every day. And then we're going to play like we do every day. And every day of his life, this little boy will insult you with his happiness and freedom. Because
0: you don't have his hatred either. Pretty amazing thing. But it shows you you can get past what you can't get over and sometimes what you shouldn't get over he shouldn't forget his wife that brutal act should never be forgotten but he's got to get past it and I just want to make some closing comments here this is some advice I want to give you never hold on to anything more tightly than you hold on to God today's a day of letting go and moving on you'll never get over it but today God wants you to get past it and Steve Maraboli said this he said letting go means to come to the realization that some people are a part of your history but not a part of your destiny. That's my history. I can't get rid of it but I am getting past it and I'm gonna make a new beginning. You know, something people don't realize before I pray with you is that Jesus was nailed to a cross. He was brutally treated. He was rejected and hurt. He did nothing wrong. They nailed his hands and his feet. They beat him to a pulp. They left him naked. They spat on him. They plucked his beard. Talk about hurt. But he died and rose again. But here's the weird thing. Jesus never got over. Sorry, he never He never got over, but he did get past it. So when Jesus rose, he didn't come out of the grave and say, now where are they? I'm going to exact my revenge. But he went and showed them his wounds, showing that he never got over it. In fact, when you look into heaven, there's a lamb looking like it was slain, but he definitely got past it. That's why he's able to show us grace. Does that make sense? See, people who people who don't get past something and can't get over something, they are never able to show grace. But this morning, God wants you to know that he wants to heal you. And while you have the scars you need the grace because hurt people hurt people but healed people heal people. I'm going to pray for a whole lot of people this morning but I want you to bow your heads first this morning right now and I want to pray for people in the room this morning this is the most important thing and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two altar calls this morning but right now this is the most important if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will you You don't have heaven in your heart. He's the way to get to heaven. He's the one who forgives sins. We don't don't get to heaven by being good. We get to heaven by being forgiven. And He comes to forgive and to come in. And he, He wants to heal, restore, establish, and strengthen. But we've got to open the door and invite Him. The Bible says He stands and knocks. So today, if you don't know Him, I want to encourage you because He's a healer. He's a restorer. Maybe today you're not right with God. You're a Christian. Hurt has caused you to take your eyes off God. You've become bitter. How could he let this happen? Where was God when maybe today God's saying, you know what, you give your life to me completely. You've come to this place for a divine appointment. This is not a chance happening. And I'm going to pray for people in a moment with hurts, but I, you need to give your life to Christ as Lord and Savior this morning. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not calling you to the platform. My goal is not embarrassing you but it is to pray with you and pray for you and to trust God for change and a shift in your life. If that's you this morning, you say, I'm here. I need Jesus. I need to give give my life to Him for the first time. I need to recommit my life. Raise your hand. Lift it up quickly. Shoot it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Just lift it up. Say today, Jesus, in my life, every head bowed, every eye closed. This is a personal and private moment with God. We don't want to embarrass anyone, but we do want to see lives transformed. You say, that's me, I need to recommit. I need to give my life. I know God's been tugging at my heart. I tell you what, you won't lose, you'll only gain. You'll find freedom, you'll find blessing. You'll find newness of life. Raise that hand if you haven't raised it. Say, yes, that's me. Would you pray for me? Don't go home. Don't say you'll do it in the car. Don't worry about the person you came with. This is a moment where you need Jesus. Come on, lift that hand, raise it up right now. You say, yes, I know. God spoke to me today. I need to respond to him and lay it all down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Awesome. Well, if, you, if we feel that you've responded this morning, I want to pray with you. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray out loud, but I'm going to ask for everyone to pray out loud as well so that no one is embarrassed and all of us could pray and support them. Can we do that, church? So let's pray like this. Thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, who died for us. I receive His sacrifice for my sins today I invite him into my life and I give him my heart lead me Lord change me Lord be Lord of my life and I commit to follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name amen amen let's give thanks for people who've opened their hearts this morning and responded